Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 27 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Choriki Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today, bud? Doing pretty well, man. Uh, I am working out. So I did not have a very trim-healthy day yesterday Mm -hmm. because I was at two graduation parties and then a birthday party. Oh, wow. Yeah, so lots of celebrations, lots of cake, and you can't, like, I'm, a, I'm pretty good at avoiding cake in my regular life, sure. but you can't avoid celebration cake. No, that's just rude. Like, if somebody, yeah, that's just rude. So a student showed up a few days ago uh, during finals week. She was a senior. She had already graduated, like, walked the stage, cap and gown, got her diploma. She was done. She had no reason to come back to the school. She came back to the school with donuts for her teachers to say, like, hey, I wanted to come by and thank you for being such a great teacher. Oh, how sweet. And I listen, I know, it was really nice. Uh, and, like, man, you gotta eat that donut, right? So I've had a lot of, like, compulsory, uh, non-trim-healthy stuff. And, like, I feel fine. Like, I'm feeling it a little bit. Like, I used to, I'm used to eating very clean. And now I've got, just got a bunch of refined white sugar running <laughs> through these veins. Uh, I had a, not a similarly cake-filled day yesterday, but a similarly unhealthy day because yesterday was a Spectre Mm. recording day, which basically means that the only thing I did all day was watch The Man with the Golden Gun, watch the special Mm -hmm. features for The Man with the Golden Gun, and then spend three hours talking about The Man with the Golden Gun. So I did not have a lot of time to, like, get out of the apartment and go for a nice long walk, which I would have liked (laughs) to have done. It was it was a beautiful day yesterday. It was gorgeous. Uh, Weather finally broke. Love so it. hopefully that'll all be worth it when you hear this podcast about the man with the golden gun. Uh, but Dave, that's not the thing we're talking about today. We're here to talk about a different gold thing. Um, Ooh, nice segue, man. Yeah, it, it kind of relies on the knowledge that we're talking about the dude who would be called the Gold Ranger in Power Rangers Zio. But in any case, Dave, it is episode 27 of Jaroki Sentai O-Ranger. It is called King's Gallant Debut. But before we get into that, Dave, as always, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, first star of the week, Matt. Um, it's our annual spot where you hate on me a little bit because summer vacation has just started. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love hating on you when this happens. Yeah, so summer vacation has just started. Um, It's very exciting. My summer vacation is already filling up with stuff. Like, people ask, and listen, I don't want to make a ton. Summer vacation is great. Do not, like, do not get me wrong. But people ask, like, oh, man, summer vacation, like, must be great to just chill on the couch for three months. No, friend. I spend the first half of summer vacation recovering and, like, catching up (laughs) on all the stuff that I should have been doing from December until June, and then I spend the second half of summer vacation desperately trying to get ahead of stuff that I would be doing between September and December, so that theoretically, at no point in the year am I, like, completely destroyed. Does your your house actually just fall down? Yeah, uh, so I, you know, like, I managed to batten down the hatches for the school year pretty well over the summer. And, like, listen, I do take vacation time. 
But it's only like about a week. It's like two weeks. I take like a week in the beginning and a week at the end to like really actually have a vacation. And then the rest of the time, you know, I, I am doing stuff. Um, and I've got to teach a new class next year. Oh, so you have to like write a whole new class. Yeah, I'm actually, um, some other teacher that I'm working with has actually been teaching the course for a few years. And I said, like, listen, whatever you're doing is working really well. <laughs> like, uh, I don't see a need to reinvent the wheel. I am just going to straight crib your notes for the whole year, if that's cool with you. And she's like, yeah, that's absolutely cool. Like, why would you reinvent the whole class? And I said, that's what I thought exactly. Nice. So, uh, but I do have to do it, which is going to take, like... It's going to take a while. At no point in my career, Matt, have I taught the same classes, uh, the same academic classes. I've taught theater for, for like six years now. Uh, but have I taught the same English classes for more than two years in a row? Really? That sucks a lot. Yeah. It's super, super lame. Because after about two years is when you start to like get into the groove. You're like, oh, I see kind of like what I had done and I should have done it like this year. But like you need some, you know, like you need some space to like work through it once or twice with some different kids. And uh, and I was really like looking forward to teaching these same classes again next year, and I just are amped, amped. Yep, I'm amped. Cool. I'm are not. Yeah, I teach English, guys. So that's a fun thing. So, anyways, man, that's uh, first star of the week. Summer vacation has started. What is our second star of the week? Dave, second star of the week is a brief but notable commute update. <laughs> Commute update. So what's um, what's up? Highway pirates? No, no, nothing. Doctor Bond? No, what's going nothing on? Nothing like that. Although this may be a uh, sort of effect of those sorts of characters loose on our streets, Dave. Is that I was driving mm. home yesterday? Not, I'm sorry, not yesterday. Uh, one of the days last week, and I hit. It literally couldn't matter less. No, it's it's it was a day. I mean, I the only reason I say that it was not yesterday is because I've already established that yesterday was a weekend day where I was not at work. Mm. Um. Anyway, that's really irrelevant. Uh, the relevant thing is that I was driving down some sort of back street shortcuts I normally take to get home from work, and instead yep. of taking a left on a road that I normally take a left on, I had to take a right. Because right on the street there, where I was going to take a left, it was blocked by a car that was just straight up upside down. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Was there anything... Were there any, like, clues as to as to why? Okay, here's the weird thing. Is that the car was upside down. There was no uh-huh. one in it. There was a cop car well, good, parked next to it. But the cop was just, like, sitting in the car. He wasn't out there directing traffic. His lights weren't on. There was no, like, traffic backed up in any direction. So it is not as though, like, it had happened long enough ago that they were trying to, like, direct a bunch of traffic around it. But it, right, right, but right. it must have happened, like, there must have been enough of a gap of time in between it happening and me seeing it where there was no longer, like, panic of getting people pulled out of cars. And so the... I mean, like, were the windows broken? Was there another car? Were there, like, skid marks? Was the, there a conspicuous the windows, ramp? The windows were broken. Like, there were okay. there was no other car. It was just an upside-down, huh. kind of messed-up car in the middle of the road. And the, the thing that it really made me think out most was, like, oh, this feels like Fallout. Like, 
Just like a <laughs> random broken upside down car in the middle of the road with no real story and no and not enough people around for it to be like an event, but still definitely there and you just can't go down that road and you have to circle all the way down, like circle all the way around the block. Like that is Man, most I, of the Fallout experience. I played the pants out of some Fallout, but that was a really good game. Like I think I kind of by the end of it, I had forgotten how good of a game it was. Does that make sense? Yeah, dude. Did you see the trailer for Fallout seventy six? Yeah, it's it's useless. It's like this is a game that will exist. Sure, a game will exist. It, it is set in West Virginia, and it is a Fallout game. We're telling you literally nothing else. Yeah, uh, but like, E3 is coming up, so I'm sure they're going to drop uh, more information there. Drop that bomb, uh, no. <laughs> uh, which is a good Fallout joke. Um, Dave, what is our third Star of the Week? So, I just... I need to talk to you about this encounter I had, Matt. Okay, I mean, that's this is the space of the show that we do that. Yeah, so Beth and I today, Beth and I went for a late lunch to our favorite Korean restaurant in, in Cleveland. It's called Miega. It's really, really that good. It is good. And it is in, yeah, it's delicious. And it is in the second story of like a large, like converted warehouse space where there's like a bunch of smaller, it's like a tiny mall, okay? And so we... We go have lunch, and there was some crazy rain on the east side of Cleveland today. I don't know if it hit the west side. Oh uh, yeah, but we like, got it for really like intense, 20 like torrential rain. Yeah, exactly. That's about where it, where it was for us. So it had stopped at this point. We're walking out of the restaurant, Beth and I and the twins. And um, oh, I don't think I've ever mentioned this before that uh, the twins are black and we're white. Okay, so I mean, I know this, but yes, I, I was going to say I know you know, but like it's it's only semi relevant to the story. But so like we're walking out, and this woman. She's like walking in with her husband and she turns around and she says, can I just ask ask you a quick question? Which is why it's relevant that the twins are black, because like I'm very accustomed at this point to people saying like, oh, what's the story there? And in my head, it's always like, you just want to ask because this story is only going to be like one of two things. Right. It's this is not a great mystery for the ages. Yeah, like and like and to be clear, they are uh they do not look biracial. It so it is not even a question of like, oh, are they like maybe like my bio kids and like Beth is with me or like hers and you know right, what right, I mean, right. like from a different relationship. It's like, no, they're like they're definitely not ours biologically. So like I think you already know what's happening here. But anyways, um but she does not ask about that. Like, that's what I'm re- getting ready to answer. And she says, did it rain really hard here? And I said, yes. And then she starts talking about how hard it rained where she was. Okay. Yeah. And then she starts talking about how, like, she and her husband were trying to go to some festival but, like, it was rained out, and so they couldn't go. And I keep waiting for the fact that it did rain where we were to become relevant to, like, what she's talking about. And why she felt the need to strike up a conversation and with why you. She, yeah, and why she felt... Spoiler, it never never comes. At no point is it relevant that it was raining where we were. She just wanted and to so, talk about, like, her weird day and was trying to find yeah. a way into it. Right, and then she says, so we came here, 
And I don't even like Chinese food. Like, silly shrine. It's like, well, you're in luck. This is a Korean restaurant. Well, okay, but here's the thing. Like, it's A, it's in the middle of Asia Town in Cleveland. I think we've talked about before, like, there's not enough of one ethnic minority in Cleveland. So just like Asia Town. Yeah. Anyways, um, so it's like, first of all, lady, you're in Asia Town. So if you do not like Chinese food, you're in the wrong space, like, geographically. Second of all, Despite the fact that the first thing is true, you are kind of in luck because there's no Chinese restaurants into the building in which you're going. Third of all, who doesn't like Chinese food? I don't know. That's I mean, I, I can... Not liking, not liking Chinese food is so weird that it's like the punchline to a Seinfeld joke. Like, he's, like, he builds up this story, and the end of the story is, and then she said, but I don't like Chinese food. And then everyone laughs. Because that's insane. Everybody likes Chinese food. And even if you don't like actual Chinese food, everyone at least likes bad American Chinese food. Yeah, it's, ama- like, both versions of it are delicious. Who does, I just, like, it was just such a bizarre encounter i had like i just had no way to get any traction on any single element of this encounter with this woman (laughs) i just like i just needed to talk about it to to like confirm for myself that it was just to work through your Uh, feelings about it (laughs) yeah seriously uh what matt is our fourth star uh dave speaking of working through feelings about things i went I, i i confronted a uh, not a fear per se of mine, but mm-hmm. I, in my life, I respect poetry, but I have kind of a concern about being near poets because I'm just worried that, like, my inability to take, like, things as seriously as they want me to take them is going to like get me into real like legitimate trouble in a conversation Ooh, does that make sense yeah no yeah mm -hmm. i live a life that respects poetry from a distance yeah 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 um no listen i get it because i'm an english i majored in english like i have a literature degree i spent a lot of time like considering poetry but no, I'm with you. Yeah, I yeah, I get it. I get it. And so you need to hang out with like an Ogden Nash style poet, Matt. That's who you need. I, I will let you know if he and I make weekend plans. You won't. He's been dead for I know. years. Um, Anyways, so I through work got these like free tickets to a local Cleveland literary society event that was at like a jazz bar. That was in a part of town that okay. was like right around from the corner from where I live. This doesn't sound like you're seeing it all. No, but continue. Well, it doesn't. But I thought, well, here, here are a few things. One, I'm not a big like poetry reading guy, but I do like jazz music. I've always wanted oh, yeah, to go okay. into this building because I used to work across the street from it for years. Okay. Um, and there, and I knew there was going to be free dinner. Oh, well, that's okay. Yeah, definitely go to that. Like, okay, well, like, so me and a coworker of mine, like, we go to this thing, and the 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 long and short of it is that, like, I kind of went to it because I knew I was going to be able to talk about it in the five stars, and so I'm talking about it now. <laughs> um, it was nice. It was actually very, nice. it was a lot nicer than I thought it was going to be. 
Yeah, it was just a good example of things about which I need to get out of my own head, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I want to I wanna comfort you about something, Matt. And that is um, most people, when they read poetry, like if you go to one of these things, it's usually people reading their own poetry. And here's the problem with that, is that writing poetry and reading poetry out loud are two totally different and largely unrelated skills. Mm-hmm. And so even if you're a great poet, you're not necessarily. And in fact, you are probably very bad at reading your poetry out loud. So bad, in fact. I am not <laughs> making this up, Matt. So bad, in fact. There is like a definable, um, this, like, and I'm putting air quotes around this, Americans reading poetry like accent. And it is a it is a voice that people do when they are reading poetry. Really, and it's yeah, it is a awful, and b it's then it's just not me saying it. There was an article in the Smithsonian about this. It is objectively and scientifically awful. <laughs> like they <laughs> somebody has done some study on this thing, and it's like yeah, we're not really sure why people do it. But it is awful, and it does ruin poetry. It was built in a lab to be unpleasant. <laughs> it's this is bizarre thing. And I think it's probably, it's kind of what you said. It's because people are convinced that poetry should be, like, very, very serious, and you're, like, doing... I can't do the voice. I'm, it could, I could probably do it if I really needed to. But, um, yeah, it's terrible. So you're not alone, yeah. at least. In anyway, that. it was very nice. One of the three people who read... Um, was actually very good at reading their own poetry. Oh, see, uh, especially great. like the, the the jazz band was like sort of like playing behind them. Oh well, that is an ideal version of that yeah. Kind it was of very happy. I felt like a cool cat. Uh, anyway, uh, that was it. That was the four star of the week, Dave. What is our fifth and final star of the week? So Matt, moving about as far as is humanly possible away from like a poetry reading at a jazz club. Do you know, you do know this, because we talked about it on our daily listserv, but play along with me. Did you know that Jinko jeans still exist? Dave, when you made me aware of this, I was so delighted. Okay, so first of all, if... Like, if you are a lot younger than us and you don't know what Jenko jeans are, Jenko jeans are a, uh, they were a jean company that were, like, really big in the 90s. And when you say really and, like, big, even, you mean... <laughs> and when I say really big, I mean both literally and figuratively. Because the whole thing about, I think they were, like, skater jeans was the idea. And, but, like, the whole thing about Jenkos is that they were ridiculously wide-legged jeans. I, man, I don't like, know if they were skating things. Thing. I don't think you could skate in a Jinko. I feel like it's too big. It would get caught up. I think maybe originally they were just like wide leg and then it got like a little more extreme. It is so extreme that Jinko pants include a separate measurement, which is how large is the radius <laughs> of like the opening of these jeans. And it is measured in multiple feet. Okay. These so here's the most amazing thing, is that just imagine like a uh, like imagine a bell bottom right, but like a really large bell bottom, but that the bell starts at your waist and it just kind of goes out from there. These are tent like jeans. Yes. Here is the th- here is the amazing thing about Jenkos. First of all, they're 
they still exist. That's the first amazing thing. The second amazing thing is Jinko designers have not updated their style guide at all. I mean, from like their heyday. Listen, if, they are set, like they've got a brand and they are on message for like upwards of 20 years at this I point. I feel like if you're Jinko, you know who you are selling to and those people haven't really changed. Like, yeah, there there uh, might be new all, people who have joined that group. But that group is still largely identical to what it looked like in the mid-90s. Yeah. So, like, for, just go, like, check, do yourself a favor and check out their website. Um, so, the next thing is that the Jenko Jeans website has two models. All right. Okay. Like, that is it. They, they employ two models. Uh, how many things am I on right now? Jenko, which I am sure started off as just, like, meaning jean company. Like J-N-C-O. I, that's, that is what uh, I always assumed it meant. Yeah, it does. According to them, what it means is judge none, choose one, which is like the most delightfully 90s slogan I can think. Like, it's just, it makes so much sense as their slogan. I, I feel as though for it to really be a full 90s slogan, one of the O's in that sentence, maybe like the O in the word one would be replaced with a yin-yang. Ooh, that would be very, very good. Um, I am just gonna read you not all of some of the all of the ad copy that I found. I just need like I just need to get this out to you. Okay? Please go for it. Here we go. Please. Ordinary? Never. You're a standout in the crowd kind of person. Plain black and white just will not cut it. You don't follow the crowd. The crowd follows you. If you're fed up with all the plain and unexpressive clothing from modern clothing companies, look no further. Jinko is the right fit. You deserve outerwear that is as expressive as you. Appeal to match your kick-ass personality. Back in the 90s, Jenko emerged as a fun, innovative apparel brand that connected with youth all over sure the world did. with well-made, well-curated clothing built to last. More than 20 years later, Jenko continues to lead the way, no you don't, as a resident streetwear, again no, and lifestyle <laughs> brand based on the same philosophy. Jenko Outerwear, this part is all in bold, by the way. Jinko outerwear is all about expressing yourself. These aren't your typical run-of-the-mill hoodies, sweaters, and jackets. Made from high-quality materials with expert craftsmanship. That sounds nice. And printed locally in the U.S. Are... Props to you, Jinko. Great job. Uh, Jinko hoodies are designed to impress. We design, manufacture outerwear with a hint of retro flair and all the modern-day comfort you require. Uh, oh, so I'm just going to give you this last part here. At Jinko, we firmly believe you aren't just purchasing a hoodie or sweater. You're signing up to be a fun, energetic, and out there as you can be. You're choosing to express yourself and show others you're not afraid to stand out and be different. Class it up, tone it down, or turn it on. Every hoodie and blah, 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 blah. Okay, Dave, here's, here's the thing that I find truly horrifying about this, is they're very specific about Jinko outerwear, and I'm very worried that they also make Jinko underwear, just giant billowy underpants. <laughs> here's, here's the wait. Uh, here's the last thing. Uh, let's see. Join Jinko and be part of a passionate community of fans, which, yeah, dude, if you're still wearing Jinkos, you are 100% part of a oh, passionate community. Oh, you're feeling community. la passion. Yeah. Uh, last bit. You are a unique, powerful, and expressive individual. Don't be afraid to show off and push the boundaries and look good doing it. Jinko, comfortable outerwear for the chosen ones. What? And scene. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, is that in quotes, So anyway, is that a registered term, Jinko? Like TMTM, do not steal. No, it's not. Although I desperately wish that it was. So yeah. Uh, so anyways, Jinkos, they're out there, and uh, oh, they do have they have a blog, and their blog does have a post entitled "Gear Up for 420." Which, again, I think really lets you know that, like, they know their market. Is that the most recent blog post? Because that was a uh, few I months ago. Yeah, I, did, I didn't get that far. I, I, gotta, I gotta admit <laughs> They that. have one blog um, post a year. It always comes out on 419. <laughs> get ready, guys. <laughs> I love the idea of blogging. It updates literally once a year. Um... Anyways, Matt, so that that piece of uh, internet delight is yours to savor. Uh, okay, so now, Dave, <laughs> we are done talking about that bit of 90s nostalgia. Let's move into talking about a different piece of 90s nostalgia. Episode 27 of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger, King's Gallant Debut. We're going to talk about it right after this. <laughs> Okay, so uh, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot in this episode, dude. Okay, so let's. Man, um, dang, that was an episode, dude. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, so as as you may recall from last week, this is this is picking up from a cliffhanger. Let do you want uh, Dave to remind the good people where we were at the end of last week's episode? Yeah, sure. Um. So it was. We have this uh, this guy, Riki. Is like he's. I mean, he is a guy. He's like this fourteen year old kid. Fourteen year old kid, Riki and uh, Doran, who have come from the pre ancient civilization, and they have arrived like back on Earth from the timeless dimension where they were like in stasis. And we found out last episode why Bacchus Wrath is back to Earth. He has actually created he is the last of a race, I guess, of sentient robots that arose and, like, rebelled against this pre-ancient civilization and, like, lost a civil war. And he was the only survivor. He escaped, went to Baranoia, built a planet, and has spent the intervening 600 million years (laughs) uh, waging, like, a galactic quest for revenge against the humans. So only now has he arrived back on Earth, they were put in stasis to like kind of sort of deal with this exact problem. And so they're back, uh, Doran and Riki are, to sort of help the Rangers. And uh, Riki is going to become it, it pretty obviously telegraphed. He is our our sixth Ranger. He's it, but we don't know what's we don't know what's up with him. Yes. I mean, he's the Gold Ranger. He's not the Gold Ranger. It, you know what yeah. I'm saying. So at, at the end of last week's episode, um, we had uh, Yuji, Juri, and Momo, who were trying to protect Doran, who is this little girl, um, and doing a very bad job versus uh, this monster called Barra Goblin, who was being controlled by a sort of evil zookeeper slash ringmaster named Karis. And then yes. Goro and Shohei had found Ricky, and all three of them were trying to get back to where the others were to like save the day. And that is sort of where we pick up here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the uh, the fight that is happening is between the Rangers and Barak Goblin, who is a weirdly like organic looking machine beast. Like he does not look mechanical really at all. Yeah, well, uh, which is a little bit weird. Like I mean, we saw last week that Karis is the person in charge of like 
the Baranoia Royal Zoological Society and, like, bestiary. Yeah. And so, like, this dude is a machine beast. Like, there's some robot stuff on him, but I wonder if we are moving into a part of the show where the monsters are going to be, like, half robot, half animal. Uh, yeah, no, maybe that would be cool. So anyway, so this is, um, oh, so that's kind of we're leading in from last week's, uh, cliffhanger. And then it's actually going to be another cliffhanger at the end of this week. This is a big three parter, um, which is actually pretty sad. They do this a lot sort of around this point in every season. There's like a big, yeah, especially when new characters are being introduced. Like there, there, it's a big push. They want to make sure that everybody knows about the story of Ricky. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the story of Ricky, which is the thing that I keep thinking about now that there's a character named Ricky in this show, is a movie that I have never seen. That movie is... Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but if you are um, also somewhere between the ages of probably like 31 and 35, and remember the first season of The Daily Show back when it was hosted by Craig Kilborn, um, all of the interstitials in that show... Like, as they were moving from, like, one segment to another, used footage from that movie with him, like, punching down walls and blowing up people's heads with his fists. Um, and so I just keep wanting to talk about the story of Ricky, a movie I have never seen, instead of talking about this TV show, which I literally just watched. <laughs> uh, listen, in your defense, Matt, the story of Ricky is incredible. And, uh, oh, hey, Matt, uh, just so you know, it is uh, on YouTube in its entirety. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So, anyways, just felt like I had to check that out. So, anyways, um, so this fight is happening. Karis the Zookeeper is there, and uh, Bara Goblin does manage to. He sort of like knocked the Rangers out of out of commission, at least. Like they're staggered. He does manage to get his hands on Doran, mm-hmm. and he. And he's got some sort of, like, I can't quite tell. It looks like he's got some sort of medallion or or something in his mouth, like, back in his throat that he's using to, like, blast energy bolts. And then she screams for Ricky. Ricky arrives and, like, like straight up crushes Baragon. Yeah, Ricky immediately goes it's so hard. Nuts. Like, I, I hesitate to say that Ricky is done messing around because Ricky never began to mess around. Ricky, at no point in his young life, has ever learned how to mess around. He only knows how to murder machine beasts. That is his yeah, entire it's incredible. existence. Like, yeah, he goes so hard that he turns into like an anime blur. Like, you don't even see him attack, you just see like a black animated energy bolt like fly and that is ricky and he flies at bara goblin and just does like a hundred kicks and then like bounces all around and then saves doran and then they appear up on the top of this hill and he's like i don't know what you guys thought was about to happen if you thought you're gonna hurt doran it's not happening yeah like never did you- <laughs> i have waited 600 million years. I, I have traveled 600 million years through time to beat your ass again yeah like did you it's incredible did you somehow forget who i am this is ricky talking <laughs> it is time for business <laughs> Which is so amazing. Like, and actually, I want to give this kid props because he's like 14 years old, and I feel like it would be very hard for a 14 year old to sell those lines. But uh, he does a pretty good job. Yeah, you know, when I first heard that this show had another like teen who turned into a uh, one of the Rangers, I thought that we were going to have a redo of like a co situation, like we had in Die Ranger. 
Oh, I'm really glad that we did. And not. like, listen, I, I came around on Co. There's a lot to like about Co. Um, but like, Ricky is a whole other story. Yeah, Ricky rules. So, uh, Kara says she's like, "I will send you both to hell," which again is a heavy thing to lay on a kid. <laughs> and uh, Ricky, this is amazing. So, Karis is there. Bar Goblin is there. Ricky ignores both of them. And just, like, calls out Bacchus Wrath directly. He's like, Bacchus Wrath, like, let's see what you got. Like, I've, I like I already beat you once. Like, come on, dude. Like, let's let's do this. It's incredible. I feel like this show is very rapidly going to become, like, a Ricky Appreciation <laughs> fan cast. Uh, so now he henchens. I mean, he has basically the same sort of, like, uh, power brace that the other O-Rangers do. Yeah, it's literally identical. The only thing I could come up with there, Matt, is that either... I think it's a combination of two things. Here's my headcanon for this. Ready? So, obviously, we know that the Chief is is building a lot of his stuff based on ancient civilization technology. Yes. Yeah, so... And because he's doing that, like he's trying to achieve this ranger henshin effect, right? So my assumption is, and like, he clearly knows who Ricky is, right? Because he says, like, oh, that's the symbol of Ricky, like when we saw the last episode. So my assumption is, is that there are there were, like, enough clues about how Ricky's, like, uh, power, power brace? Power bracer. About how Ricky's power brace works, that he literally just was like, oh, that will do, like, that will do the yeah, thing. I'll, like, I'll just do that it. again. Like, I'll just do those again. They, that seems to be working. Um, so that's my explanation as to why. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, when he transforms, though, Ricky has a slightly different look than the rest of the Rangers, and I really dig it. Yeah, it is really cool. Well, you know, he's the sixth Ranger, so he's a very fancy Right, player. so the, the way that he looks, and again, if you've ever seen Power Rangers Zeo, this is the Gold Ranger uniform. Um, but the, the basic, like, color blocks and outline of this uniform are very similar to the other O-Rangers, right? Like, mm-hmm. he has sort of like, uh, it's mostly black, and then he's got a lot of like gold highlights, sort of in the same places that the O-Rangers do. Except that the O-Rangers, their uniforms are like a lot more like slick and streamlined, and like, the, the gold stuff is mostly like design work on their costume. Whereas with Ricky, all of that stuff is like extra armor that he's wearing on top of his black uniform. So it really yeah. does give you this sense of like, oh yeah, this is like the prototype of the O-Ranger suit that they have then gone on to like streamline and modernize, but like it's basically the same idea. Yeah. Uh, so he's, uh, and then he doesn't have just like a regular shape for his visor. He's got his own, like the symbol of Ricky, which is really cool. Right. Which again, I'm pretty sure is the kanji for King. Which is also cool because the it's basically like it is one vertical line with three horizontal lines sort of like cutting across it in regular intervals. Which means that if you look at it, it's like six sort of distinct prongs coming off of this thing. Which is cool. Uh, Matt, yes, you are correct. Okay, which, which is cool because, you know, the rest of the rangers' shapes on their masks, like one... Uh, it's like a numbers thing, right? Like Momo has one thing that's like a round 
circle. Then there's the um, oh, dude, I did not notice that, but you're totally correct. Yeah, That's and, like awesome. Jerry has like two things on it, and uh, like the two ovals. Then Yuji has the triangle, which is three sides, and then Shohei has the square, and then Goro has like the five pointed star, and now he's got this sort of like you know six. You know, it's a shape with six terminals. It's it's a very good, very cool design that works very well with the other ones, but also sets him aside from them. Yeah, it works on it works on multiple levels. Very cool. Oh, and, and now at this point, he just proceeds to like beat the ever living crap out of a pile of Barra soldiers. It's extremely good. Yeah, the like the fight sequence is really good. Uh, first of all. The like the other rangers are really impressed. They're like, "Wow, this dude, this guy is really, uh, he's really taking it to." Oh yeah, they, they're not involved out... in the fight at this point. They're just watching Ricky just demolish these things. Yeah, I was trying to figure out like what his fighting style is because everybody's you know like everybody's got their own little style. And as near as I can figure, uh, Ricky's fighting. Oh, and sorry, he is the he's the king ranger. Yes. I don't think we said that explicitly, but that is his. He's king ranger. Um. So King Ranger's fighting style, as far as I can tell, is Bruce Lee. Like, there's like a lot of like punches and kicks, and then he does like Bruce Lee's finishing moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, also a lot of wire work when he's doing it. There's one moment. Oh yeah, he does a rad like super long distance flying kick. It's so good because he's on wires when they have that flying kick come in, and then the Barra soldier that he hits is also on wires. So as soon as he gets hit, that dude just like flies 30 feet away and smashes into a wall and explodes. Yeah, it's rad. Uh, We do get a quick thing of Empress Hysteria, and she's like, what is going on with this dude? Which I, it was a little moment, but I love because, of course, she post-dates Ricky. Like, the only person in the Emperor, or in the Baranoia Empire who knows what's up with Ricky is Bacchus Wrath. Yeah, and for some reason, it seems like he has been working on a side plan with Karis in case this happened. So she knows what's up, but he does, yeah. he did definitely say in the last episode that he was the only survivor. So the fight's going down. Um, Bara Goblin actually kind of gets back into it. He gets a few licks in on Ricky. Ricky is staggered for a second, and they're like, oh, yeah, Karis is. She's just like, that's it, Ricky. Like, now you're going to die. And he says, do you really think that's all I... No. And he summons his weapon, which is called the King Stick. Which should just and the which king, should be called a scepter, right? <laughs> uh it's a what it is, man, is it's a rod of lordly might. Like that's what yeah. that thing is. It's just I, I don't know um, if you remember, there is a uh there's a Paul F. Tompkins bit where he used to work in a hat shop and someone walked in and asked to try on a king hat. And he's like, that is a crown. There's a name for that. Um and I feel like a king stick is like, dude, we we have a word for this. Um, oh, sorry. A rod of lordly might is a thing from D anD. D. It's just like a rod with like a bunch of buttons on it, and it can turn into like an axe or a sword or a mace or, or a bunch of other things. Because like the king stick kind of transforms and, and does a number of different things. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. During this whole fight, we haven't mentioned yet. There's a ton of like super rad guitar licks. Like someone is just going ham uh, in the background. So the king stick, he like runs. He does like an anime dance through a bunch of bar soldiers, and then they all get struck by lightning like after him. Which is really neat. Golden lightning. And yeah, golden lightning. And then he like throws it at Baragoblin, and then there's more lightning. It's a very cool weapon. Yeah. Uh, eventually, he just like straight up kills Baragoblin with this thing. Like the tip of it opens up and it shoots out a bunch of like 
glowing energy spheres and it's it, i think it's called king flash right king victory flash yeah i think that's it yeah uh, so that dude blows up. Um, Karis is very sad about this. Sends Acha and Kocha in to make Baragoblin grow. And now at this point, it's cool because um, like that is a trick that Bacchus Wrath has apparently learned in the last 600 million years. So Ricky is caught off guard, at which point Goro, who I'm sure at this point is feeling kind of like, oh man, like I was the cool dude. And now there's like this 14-year-old kid who's way better than me. Uh, yeah and so he's like oh no no like no it's my time to shine like let's summon these robots we can handle this so he does so they summon the robots and Riki is really impressed he's like whoa it's like those are and he's right he's like those robots are amazing yeah and again like imagine yeah. this series from Ricky's perspective you know he woke up after 600 million years in this like weird future and all of a sudden his thing that used to just be like him transforming and punching a dude, like punching robots until they blew up, has turned into a world where those monsters turn into giants, and also there are giant robots that can fight them. Like, that's got to be a bit where he really needs to take a moment to sink it all in. Yeah, it's very cool. Now, unfortunately, he is not impressed for a really long time because, like, just as the Rangers could not really beat human-sized Baragoblin, O-Robo can't really beat giant Baragoblin. Like, Baragoblin is, like, whooping up on on O-Robo. Yeah, he's kind of a bland monster, but he is very tough. So while he has both O-Ranger Robo and Red Puncher sort of stunned, Karis yells at Baragoblin like, hey, now that you have a second, please step on King Ranger and just kill him once and for all. Like, could we just do this? It does not work. No, because Ricky has methods of his own. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, this is so good. So he, like, holds up the king stick. Uh, yeah. So he just holds up his king stick, and, like, an energy beam, like, shoots out of it. And then the pyramid from before, like, disappears. I think it, like, teleports from where it was, and it teleports to where he is. And it seems to have gotten way, way larger in the intervening period. And what ha- is it like? Is there had been like a very sleek sort of glass exterior on this pyramid, and that disappears. And what we find out is that this is not so much as a spaceship as much as it is a spacefaring battle tank. Yeah, he calls it the ultimate fortress, King Parameter. Yeah, um, it's incredible. It's, it's a tank um, the size of a building, basically. It's a tank the size of a yeah, mountain. Now, I am hoping that we do at some point get, like, a humanoid form of King Pyramider, but it's, oh, no, it's probably, like, the Carrier Zord, isn't it? Like, they're going to figure out how to merge, and, like, it's just, they're going to stand on top of it or something, probably. Uh, well, um, we will we will have to wait and find out in a later episode. Or rather, you will have to wait are, and find out. I was going to say, you already watched it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, he, he's, like... It does some attacks, and then it does this cool, super cool attack, which just shoots a beam of lightning into the sky, and that beam kind of returns down to the ground as, like, a literal wave of lightning. It's incredible. Uh, so that's the end of Baragoblin. Like, that's yeah, it. Yeah, uh, it's called the Super Burn Wave, and Baragoblin was not prepared for it. Karis yeah. also is like, oh, no. Like, I, I feel as though she genuinely thought this was going to work. 
Or at least she is doing a good job of making it seem as though she genuinely thought she was going to win this fight. Yeah. So they he pops out of uh, King Pyramider and he rescues Doran. And I'm not... I can't tell because the like he runs over and like lifts her up and spins her around. And he could just be very happy to see her. But the music that they're playing seems to make it want to feel like it's like a romantic thing between them. Which like... She's probably, like, 12, and he's, like, 14, so, like, whatever. But I just can't, like, I can't get, I'm not sure what they're trying to do with it yet, except that they have a very special relationship. So we go up to the moon, and what we find out is they say, okay, well, we have an image of King Ranger now, so, like, we're good. Yeah, and I don't know, what what happens next is a little difficult to follow, so, uh, King Ranger turns to Karis and says, like, hey, um, you, you didn't really stand much of a chance before I showed up. But now that I'm here, there's no way the Baranoia Empire will ever win. Like, I have... Yeah, like, it's game over for you guys. It's me plus the O-Rangers. Karis right. then gets the word, like, okay, we have an image of him now. So you can, like, move on with the next stage in the plan. I don't know what getting an image of him means or what the significance of it is. But yeah. what this triggers is for Karis to move to the next stage of the plan, which is to turn into a weird kinky monster. Yes. So she turns into, again, like, she's she doesn't look very mechanical, um, but she is, uh, I, she's curvaceous. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And she is wearing what I would cautiously describe as, like, some bondage leathers? Yeah, I mean, it's, it looks like a combination of, like, bright red latex and a bond, and some sort of bondage harness. Yeah, um, so there's a very uncomfortable moment where a person in a big latex suit, like, sort of feels up its own uh, chestal voluptuance. Mm-hmm. That's not a word, but you understand, just sort of. And then we kind of get a a close-up shot of her posterior, Mm -hmm. and she sort of twerks that for us. Uh, Then she does shoot lightning lasers out of her boobs. Yes. And I don't, like, Matt is not exaggerating. There's, like, it is directly out of her, like, nipple area. Yeah, there is no ambiguity about this. There's, yeah, just lightning bolts. Yeah. I mean, listen, here's one thing you can say about it. It's a look. Like, they, it is, they knew it. Yeah, it is they, certainly they a look. Knew, that is, they knew what they were going for, and they succeeded in what they were going for. Uh, you can have a conversation yeah. about whether or not they should have been going for that uh, in this particular children's show. Uh, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, man. Um, so what she then does is that she shoots like a, a sheet like a bed sheet, out of her basically. navel. Like a bed sheet, basically, out of her navel. And uses that to capture Ricky. It, and sucks him into her navel again. Mm-hmm. And then she shoots at another barrier to, like, cover her escape. And she disappears. Now, there is one thing that happens in here that I want to make sure we notice. Um, is when Ricky is wrapped up in the bed sheet and trying to get free... Paku, the terrible lizard puppet from last episode, 
he pops up and he is also trying to like bite through this like sheet to get him free so that when Ricky gets sucked into like the weird interdimensional space inside Karis's monster navel, Paku also goes in with him. Yes. I know there was a lot going on in that sentence just now, but let's just roll with it. Yeah, man, I just, okay, if you can, like, I know you run the Twitter, you really should, like, tweet out a picture of, like, the character design for Karis, just for, like, the people who don't watch the show, because it's pretty bonkers, and I just feel like you need to see it to understand what's happening here. Anyways, so, she shoots out, like we said, she shoots out another barrier to, like, cover her own escape, and then that, that kind of captures the rangers briefly, and then they get out of it, but then it explodes, and then we get a quick shot of Ricky, and he, he seems to be in just, like, another dimension. It's not really clear. Um, but he wakes up, and he's then in the, he's in the zoo. He's in the zoo on the moon. Yeah. And ca- Which, in another scenario, I feel like would be a really cool place to be. But for him, it's, it's not working out really well. Right. Um, Karis is there, and she is about to kill him. Um, but Bacchus Wrath walks up and is like, hold on a second. Like, I did not, basically, like, I did not go through all of this trouble just to kill this dude. I have a whole other plan that we are all going to get on board with. Yeah, like, there is a whole, there is just a whole big thing that we are about to do. So, uh, we go back to the base, and Doran is in there. And she obviously is really bummed out about Ricky. And Mom was like, cheer up. Like, we're going to solve this. We'll figure out what's going on. Uh, we do get a shot again of Ricky sort of like floating through darkness. And then he's surrounded by butterflies. And I don't think we've ever mentioned this before. But every time Karis shows up, she is preceded by like spectral animated butterflies. And so we see the butterflies. Now we're like, oh, there's something going on with Karis. Like, it's a pretty cool piece of uh, foreshadowing slash, like, visual signaling that they've built into the episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, we go from there, and we just see this little girl who we've never seen before. She's riding home uh, on a bike in the dark. There's something in the shadows. We don't see what. But she there's, like, a, there's a short scene of her sort of, like, she's walking, and she, like, turns around. And she's like, oh, it must be fine. And then she keeps walking. And she hears something. She turns around. Oh, no. What is it? And she is eventually attacked by, uh, by a monster. Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah, she is, like, abducted. And then the next day, we cut to the headquarters. And they are getting a report of basically the exact same thing happening again. And they're like, okay, well, let's run out and, like, try to, like, stop this from happening. We are superheroes. This is a monster. Let's roll. Yeah, like this is this is what we do. So, um Yeah, so like what we see is them kind of they're they're rolling around, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Um there is another they roll up just as another girl is about to get attacked, and it is it is obviously like it is a machine beast. It is the machine beast Bara King. Yeah, but what's what is cool is when they arrive um, the way that the camera is situated in this scene is that we are blocked from seeing what is happening because like we see the girl being menaced, but the monster is actually sort of like hidden behind a pillar. And then sort of for the rest of this fight, every time the camera would otherwise be showing the monster, there's something in the way of the camera. Yeah. 
And I mean, listen, I, I think at this point we kind of know what's happening because we've seen like a few glimpses of like the color scheme on this thing. And eventually they are confronted with Bara King. Yes. And Bara King is like a sort of a monster version of King Ranger. Uh, yeah. So it is a... Yeah, it's sort of like a big, it kind of looks like a, a dinosaur vibe. Like, it's got some like, sort of weird reptilian thing going on. It's got sort of like a long neck. Yeah, its neck is too long. It's got sort of like a one half wing thing happening. It's kind of a cool looking monster. Um, it's, you know, it's not like an iconic look or anything. But, you know, it's neat. Um, yeah. And they are like, oh, wait a second. Bara King, and they just look at it for literally one second. They're like, oh, King Ranger. Okay, this is a bad thing that's happening right now. Yeah. So what we find, well, this is what Kara says, at least. Like, we, she says, we stole Ricky at, like, the moment where he was about to die. And we basically robocopped him into an evil monster. So, like, he's effectively dead. There's nothing you can do to save him. He's just, like, running on evil machine instinct right now. Right. He will never he Give will up. never return to his previous state, um, and now he's going to kill you. Yeah. So, they fight, and uh, it, it looks like she's right. Like, Bar King is super tough. Yeah. And so he beats them up, and then... Sort of as they are beginning to like try to get together to put up some sort of counterattack, he just disappears. Um, they yep. radio into headquarters and tell the chief, like, hey, uh, bad news. You know that 600 million year old boy warrior? Uh, you know, the one with the unstoppable battle tank? Uh, turns out he's an evil monster now. Yeah, so chief looks back at Doran. She can't believe it. Uh, she runs out of the room, and then the next scene we see is that she is just running through the fields. <laughs> Which, like, we've already established that that base is pretty large. <laughs> so it just means she did, like, a sad cry run through, like, 14 layers of highly secured <laughs> military base and just out the front door, and nobody stopped her. Uh, until she eventually gets to an open field, and she just kind of cries we see some butterflies in the, yeah in the foreground running. in the foreground yeah uh nice uh, sync there yeah. matt and then she just sort of yells into the sky like ricky no um and then that is that's it that's the end of our episode uh yeah dude this this rules i love this yeah this is a very 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 good episode um and that's the end of that episode dave but uh now that barrett goblin is dead we can now put him on the uh, the creature royale. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he sucks, right? I was gonna say, but like, okay, he doesn't suck. He's got kind of a fun look. Um, but he has he doesn't have like literally anything else. Like, he's not interesting. He is not like he doesn't have like a a hook. He's literally just like a big tough dude who who fights them. Um. So he's the he's the, the bad like the, version of who was that guy in Jetman who like was a caterpillar and then he was like a big red demon man that looked like he was wearing the armor from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, Semi Maru. He's like a crummy version of Semi Maru. Yeah. So actually, where does Semi Maru? Because he is similarly like he is strong. 
He is unusual. He is kind of bland, but they have to like do something new to beat him. Uh, Semi Maru yeah, is at so number five, uh, 95. 95, yeah. I, I'm actually looking like... Where I'm looking is uh, Thunder. Okay, yeah. Actually. I think Thunder is another like roughly equivalent so monster. S- s- right. So Thunder is at 106. And I'm actually looking down below. Like I'm actually looking even lower than that. I I think I like him better. I definitely like him better than uh, Baramadillo. Baramadillo. Um, what number is he at? 115. But then, like, right above that is Sergeant Cannon, Funeral Figurine Ventriloquist, who, like, obviously they're low on the list for a good reason, but they had something going on. Whereas Goblin is, like, literally just kind of there. Okay, well, what's under Baramadillo? Uh, Bara Baby, then down into Adhesive Cockroach, Vending Machine Dimension, who I hate, Bara Saucer, Mirror Dimension, and then, like, the Dumb Umbrella Monsters, Noparabaro, the Immortal Frankenstein... Uh, from Conquer Ranger, Barra Drill, and then we're down into the ones okay. that like I, I, I think we actively. I, hate. I think we've. I think we're. We're past it. I think he's worse than Barra Baby, and he might. I think he's either better or worse than Adhesive Cockroach. I, I'm going to take back what I said a minute ago. I think he's actually worse than Adhesive Cockroach. Okay. Do we want to put him between? Actually, I think he's probably worse than Vending Machine Dimension. No, I actively loathe Vending Machine uh, Dimension. I, see, I kind of like Vending Machine Dimension. He's very dumb, but he's also memorable. Whereas this is a guy who, in five episodes, when I look at the list, I'm going to say, who was, Baron, who was Baron Goblin? Okay, okay. I can I can get behind you there. So, better than Barasaucer? Yeah, better than Barasaucer. Barasaucer is another just, like, nothing pile. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Bar Goblin comes in at the new spot number one nineteen. Okay, and then and that Matt is I think going to do it. For yes, us. Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail dot com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show. Uh, positive reviews and so forth help other people find the show, and that is very nice. Uh, speaking of other nice shows, uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio, and to find the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. <laughs>